0: Right. It's, it's funny you say that, right? The mic was too close. When when I went and recorded with Ahab mm-hmm. and and EO on I Hate My Friends, EO was like, no, you got to get really close. You got to put your mouth. You got to kiss, kiss the microphone.
1: I know. They say that every time. And I'm just like... And it's
0: just, I don't know. But anytime I was over there and I was like, you know, same kind of distance that we use here, same mm-hmm. exact microphones. I brought my microphone with me. And we got it all hooked up and everything. And I started talking. He's like, no, get closer. And I was like, okay. He's like, no closer. And I was like, okay. Right. And at one point I was like, you just <laughs> want me to put it in my mouth? <laughs> yeah. That was a little loud. Oh. I see it spike. You don't know what it means. Get out of here. Yes, I do. Whatever, <laughs> Jacob. Um, Don't do that. Remember what we talked about with mouth noises? What? Just because you can hear yourself now and you can no. hear me too doesn't mean that I was just I was,
1: just, I was just looking and seeing if. It was making, like, a spike noise, but it wasn't, so.
0: It's too low. It's there, though. Okay. Trust me.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: (coughs) Well, here we are again. What the fuck did I just say? (laughs) That wasn't even. (laughs) Do you just not notice that you're doing it? Do you just do it subconsciously? No,
1: I like looked away and I and was like, And then you started
0: making mouth noises? <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't would be a subconscious to... thing. Yeah. Subconscious. <laughs> Alright, I guess so. Okay, whatever. Well. Right, we are back for episode four. Was that four? Yep. Of What the Fuck Happened. A podcast where we talk mm-hmm. all aspects of the weird and scary, from the paranormal and cryptids to serial killers and cults. Mm-hmm. My name is Amanda. And my name is Jacob. Yeah, and we're gonna tell you some weird creepy shit. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? I think I think we were talking a little bit before we started recording. I think we both have true crime. Yeah. This is a true crime episode. So is, yeah, true crime episode for sure. Uh no no paranormal, no cults. No. But all the murders.
1: All the murders. So two murders for the price of one.
0: Two murders for the price of one. That's great. I like that. I'm gonna put that in, in like the show notes. Okay. Um. So a quick correction to last week. Uh, so we came out with our mini-sode last week. Uh, we recorded on Friday the 13th, and I, we, you know, talked little little tidbits about Friday the 13th. And during the episode, I said that the reason Friday the 13th. Got its like weird, creepy stigma. Stigma. Okay. Friday the thirteenth got its stigma is because of uh, the Last Supper and twelve apostles and thirteen at the dinner things like that. But uh, a good friend of mine texted me to inform me that the real the real reason that Friday the thirteenth has such stigma and is seen to be a day of bad luck is because uh, way back king philip of france and the pope got together to kill members of the knights templar um, or depose the rest that they didn't kill and have them admit to hearsay and and then just kill them and all because king philip uh owed the knights templar a shit ton of money and the knights templar was just the largest financial or had yeah had become the largest financial institution of the time So, it was basically like a massacre, and that's why Friday the 13th is such a a day of, you know, creepiness and bad luck, because it ended up being bad luck for a lot of people.
1: Well, I thought it was the Twelve Apostles, too. No. And then Judas.
0: I gotta figure out how to beat people's name. bleep people's name too. No, my friend, my friend told me, he's very, so he is super knowledgeable in medieval history right and know he knows a shit about. ton yeah really does yep. um yeah you've met him Uh-huh. no i trust him i'm sure that maybe some people think that's where it comes from but i'm going to go with whatever he says cause right he probably knows he real knowledgeable
1: <laughs> much wise
0: much wise v wise but yeah i just wanted to i wanted to give credit where credit was due and i i don't want to misinform on the podcast uh, to the best of my ability so uh, that was this episode's correction you didn't have any correction right uh, corrections no no all right well uh how was your week
1: it was good um i just want to give a shout out so i work at starbucks oh and
0: gonna? okay what go ahead you work at starbucks don't roll your eyes <laughs> nobody can see but me
1: um, i was i work at starbucks and my management team and like all of the partners have been listening to the podcast and like, they've been sending me pictures of their radios with the podcast. And like, even my manager has, and she's like, I didn't even know you had a podcast. Yeah. So it was really cool. It was, it's fun. Cause like they always talk about it whenever Shout I'm working.
0: Shout out to my Starbucks coworkers. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I was, it kind of, when, um,
0: Oh, so, so you've been, all right. So you've been listening to, to I Ate my friends.
1: To I Ate my friends. And I wanted to give my oh, right, coworkers, your coworkers a shout Big out. Shout out. <laughs> a shout out. Cause I said, I told them I was like, I was leaving work to go record. And then I was like, all right guys, I'm going to um shout you out in this podcast. So uh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, that's yeah I guess that's that's one of my favorite starbucks stores i don't really i don't really have another one by me stinks you guys i i don't ever get to go there they're i always rude i always go yeah i always go to the one off uh by the mall
1: yeah that's a it's nice right, store. It's,
0: it has a yeah it's like it's they have a drive through and it's they're their, always nice
1: their drive through window is so cool they press a button we don't have that we have a wind like a
0: Oh, I didn't know. No, yeah. I think. Are you sure?
1: Yeah, they were. They press a button because then it's like, oh sorry, it's two huh. doors open.
0: Oh, who told you that? Did you see it?
1: I watched it. Yeah, right. you can see it from the I'll inside. Take your,
0: I'll take your word. I'm gonna ask him next time. Hey, do you guys press a button to open the window?
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't like. I don't like the store that you live near. They're really rude.
0: Yeah, but back to back to the actual podcast. Oh yeah. Um I
1: forgot we were recording a podcast. That's weird.
0: I know. So I mean I guess I guess we can get started if you're ready. I'm ready. Alright, I'll let it, that drinking noise out.
1: There wasn't a drinking noise.
0: I could hear you drinking it. I was literally air. like this. No, it's I don't know if you know this, but things I could be <laughs> doing things. <laughs> And you can still hear it, you know?
1: I know I didn't hear that. I didn't even know you were snapping.
0: Anyways, uh, last week, uh, oh, two weeks ago, last episode, full-length episode, uh, I went first. And I told everyone about the Amityville murders. Are you so, sure?
1: What did I do less? The Queen M- Mary? No. Manson family? You did family? Manson
0: family. And you went last. So you get to go first this time. Okay all right are you ready
1: yeah hold on i just gotta fix this all right because i want to be on this side
0: all right good nice n- nice mic techniques jacob way to know Kai i'm proud of you
1: i don't know if you're being sarcastic no, i feel seriously. like i am you are i mean i'm not well i can never know because
0: i'm excited to hear about your murder
1: it's the best it's really exciting so I'm doing the Robinson family
0: murder. Okay. I've never heard of that.
1: The Robinson it's also known as the Goodhart Murders. So in the family there was Richard Robinson, who is the dad, mm-hmm. Shirley Robinson, who is the mother, and then um four children, Richie, Gary, Randy, and Susan. Richie's the oldest, and Susan's the youngest. She's seven years old. That's all, right. all I remembered. Okay, really, because right. it was weird.
0: Yeah, she's the youngest. That's yeah, that's young.
1: So they were living in Detroit, Michigan, like in the suburbs. It's called the where they were living was called um, Lathrop Village. Okay, it was like a suburbia. Gotcha. And it's um, so not
0: like like hardcore Detroit. No, like in yeah. the city or anything like that. Yeah,
1: it was like off the city.
0: Okay. Suburban, right, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Suburbs.
1: Suburbian. So the family was planning to go on vacation at Lake Michigan. And they have like a, a cottage. Okay. So they were going and the cottage was north of Goodheart. So it's like in the same county. It's just apart from gotcha. Goodheart. And um so they went, you know, um, They had a good time. They had a good time. I mean, because they were murdered. Oh. Edit that out, please.
0: That's, yeah, (laughs) super insensitive. (laughs) I think most uh, murdered people would say that it was not a good time.
1: Okay, so in July of 1968, uh, Chauncey Bliss, who was the caretaker of all the cottages, he basically built all of them. He was walking outside of his own cabin, and he smelt a foul odor.
0: That's never a good way to start your day.
1: It really is not.
0: That's never a good way to start your day. And he
1: he noticed it was coming toward. It was like coming from the Robinsons' cabin. Okay. So, but he had thought that a raccoon had gotten under right. dead the animal. crawl space. Yeah, okay. dead animal. So he was like, "All right, I'll let them know." And as he got closer to the cabin the odor just got so bad so he thought that a raccoon was under the crawl space so he thought you know he would let them know that this odor was coming from and then when he was at the door it was so bad like he realized it was coming from inside the house so he used his key to get inside and he basically had to push because something was in front of the door So he had to push it really hard and he slammed the door open and it was the whole family scattered around the living room in a pile of their own blood.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah, like they were just just scattered around.
0: How traumatizing would that be? Like to open up and be like, hey, Robinson family, just want to tell you about the raccoon underneath your crawl." Oh God. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just like, just like, oh, I guess they got something stuck in their door. Slam it open. Well,
0: is that what you think you said? Ooh, I think there's something stuck in front of their door.
1: Well, of course there
0: was.
1: (sighs) All right. So the thing in front of the door was the
0: mom. Oh,
1: she had her clothes in disarray. Like she was in front of the door. Mm -hmm. Like her body was like lying down, which is like where he couldn't get in
0: right parallel to the door. Yeah. So I got you.
1: That was kind of a th- crazy thing he saw and he had to like run away. He basically ran away and called the cops. Sure. And um
0: I would freak the fuck out.
1: The police did an initial av- investigation which showed that the Robin family, like the whole the Robin Robinson. fam, the Robinson family was inside the house, like everybody.
0: Okay, so it was just them. there weren't any other
1: yeah there were no other bodies, and the um the bodies were covered in flies, and they were heavily decomposed
0: so yeah, so you so how much so they went on vacation, hmm and then like how much longer how like how far away is this like when like when they found the bodies
1: they found the bodies on um July in July, and they of went nineteen sixty eight and they they went in vacation like a week.
0: So, it was like a week's time, but it was heavily decomposed?
1: So, hold on.
0: It's a summer, I guess, so it's hot.
1: Yeah, well, the thing was is that, like, when they did their investigation, they realized that they were so decomposed that the officers placed the date that they died a month before they were found. So, they died on Tuesday, June 25th of 1968
0: and they were found on July 25th. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Yeah, so they've
1: been there a month. Okay, that makes more sense. But like what he had told his business partners and like neighbors and stuff like that Richard was that he was that his family was going to be in Lake Michigan like the whole summer. Like, you were spending most of sure. their time there.
0: Sure. I, I got it. Okay. So, I
1: mean, like, they no, nobody didn't... Nobody thought anything of yeah, it. Yeah. Nobody thought that, like, anything was happening. Like yeah,
0: It's not like they went away for the weekend and then just never came back Yeah, and never anything. came back for gotcha. a month. Okay. And nobody
1: was like, where are those Robinsons?
0: Gotcha. Okay. Damn. That's a long... That's... Ugh. That probably... That probably smelled so
1: bad. Oh, it had to have. Ugh. I mean, they... Like, when I saw crime scene photos, they were decomposed. Like, heavily decomposed. I want to see the
0: photos. I won't... We can't post them, but you should send me the photos. I will. Okay.
1: So, um, the crime scene, because mm-hmm. I want to add this in, because it was kind of weird how they did the... How it was laid out. So, the father and the daughter, the seven-year-old daughter, Susan and richard robinson were both bludgeoned by a hammer
0: everybody goes for the hammer readily available i guess
1: but the only thing is is that those two were the only ones that were bludgeoned everyone else was shot with a 22 caliber pistol
0: okay that's weird
1: yeah so like it it doesn't make sense and there's theories that tie into why it was the dad but not the daughter. Hmm. So like there's another theory of what happened. But I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. So um, they were bludgeoned with a hammer and shot with a .22 caliber pistol. And then everyone else was shot in the head. So like they had enough time to be shot. Everyone was just shot. Because I think they were all in the living room.
0: Wait, So you think they were all there at the same time? Or do you think... Do you think maybe the, I don't know, keep going, keep going. We'll we'll talk about theories later.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the officers had realized that they were all there. That's what they had said in the beginning.
0: That he, They thought they were all there at the same time when yeah. they were killed. Yeah. Okay.
1: So the police didn't know where to start on suspects because the family was an upstanding church going, you know, like that 60s, 70s, like perfect family.
0: Nuclear family, right. Yeah.
1: So they had to nitpick the family's enemies. So um, Richard Robinson was an advertising executive and he came out with a art like he published an art magazine called Empresario and he had like a few um, employees and one of the employees was embezzling money Hmm. from the company. And he before he left, he put him in charge. And um he um you know, like they left him in charge. It was uh Joseph Scalaro the Third.
0: Okay. That sound that name sounds really familiar.
1: Yeah, I think it's yeah, he has an interesting story of how it ties in. So he was embezzling money from the company, and he didn't have an alibi for twelve hours,
0: bum, bum, bum. yeah, so That's uh, bad. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a,
1: an alibi, and he told no one where he was going. He didn't check in with anyone, so the cops automatically thought that he had gone to like Michigan from suspect work one. yeah, yeah, he was the main suspect from the get go on top of that shell casings found at the scene of the crime matched the shell casings from the gun that he uses at a gun range so that
0: circumstantial but
1: well and then okay, there's more (laughs) (laughs) he took three um, lie detector tests and he failed two and the third one was inconclusive but the cops couldn't charge him Because there was no murder weapon and nobody saw him murder them and or.
0: Right. All the evidence that you talked about, like, that's something that drives me crazy with certain stories. It's all circumstantial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you talked about the no alibi, the the bullets, right? The shell casings Mm -hmm. have being the same kind, but, and the lie detector test. But, like, there's no, like, definitive, beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Right. That it was. It was. It was him. Hmm. So
1: in 1973, L. Brooks Patterson, who was the prosecutor in Oakland County where they lived, the Robinson family had a house. He wanted to continue the investigation, so he he basically did, and he had the intent to charge Scalaro with conspiracy to commit murder, but before he could arrest him, um, Scalaro shot himself in the head wow and he left a suicide note saying that he didn't shoot the family but obviously that makes him look more guilty
0: i mean i guess so but like sometimes when something like that happens where you know like a suspect like, somebody is a suspect mm-hmm. but it like ruins their entire life you yeah know? that's like, true so like i mean i'd be curious to know how it affected his life. Like, did he lose his job because of it? You know, like, I've, I've read stories where, like, people lose their job and they get divorced. And, like, it just ruins them. Mm-hmm. You know, but they really didn't do it. But it, like, follows them around forever. So, you gotta wonder, like, was that a factor?
1: Yeah, well, I mean...
0: It certainly does make him look guilty, though. Like, I, I mean... I, guess, I don't know. Maybe not... I don't know. What were you? I'm sorry.
1: Well, I mean, it just... To me, it makes him look more guilty Mm -hmm. by having in a suicide note that he didn't shoot the family. Mm -hmm. Because in all honesty, he could have been the one that did it. So I want to talk about a few theories that there are. Actually, I've read a few articles when I was researching this Mm -hmm. where like he wasn't even supposed to be a suspect. In
0: the beginning. So, come on. You got to wonder, like, did, and I mean, I get this, I get the suicide note. Like, I get, you know, like, especially if, if this thing, you know, this, this murder of this family, like, if him being a suspect ruined his life, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if, if it was me, like, is my dying communication, I would probably write the same thing. I didn't do it. Yeah. You know? But it was just too, I mean, like, who knows what he was dealing with, you know?
1: Yeah. So the first theory is actually Scalaro, because Mm -hmm. when he was embezzling money from Richard's company, you know, when Richard put him in charge, Richard called him saying that he knew that he was embezzling money when he was at the cottage. Mm -hmm. And he was like, if you know, like you have a day to pack up your stuff and leave the company. Wow. So then he was like, if you know, after this call, in a few hours, I'm literally going to call the police if you don't leave the company. And, you know, people thought that he went to Lake Michigan, killed them, and went back to work. Which gives it more motive to kill.
0: Yeah. If he lost his job, if he found out like that.
1: Yeah.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one theory. Another theory, which kind of makes no sense, but, like, ties into the family so um john norman collins uh was a convicted murderer in 1970 for killing a female college student in detroit and um he's a suspect in the killing of several other co-eds they think he was somehow involved because he went to eastern michigan university which is where um richie richardson went mm-hmm. which is the oldest he was so, yeah, in college so- And it was around the same time that he went to college. They also said that they might have room together during orientation week. But that was kind of like a a theory where like it was only because they went to the same school.
0: Kind of like an urban like not like an urban legend but kind of like that it grows into something like that. Like
1: yeah like that it could be but it's not. Right. So another theory that I thought was interesting. This one is like the most interesting to me. They think it's Chauncey Bliss, the caretaker of the cottages, okay, so um there's some who believe that he did it after his son, who was friends with the Robinson boys, died in a motorcycle accident a week before
0: with them were they involved?
1: No, no, they okay. were just friends with him, okay, you know, and this was a week before like he died a week before they were murdered, okay. So Chauncey felt sli- slighted by Richard Robinson because he had his sons, you know, and Chauncey didn't. Okay. And took his revenge by killing his whole family. But I thought that was, it almost sounds the most true. Like that it could it could really be him.
0: I mean, it could be. It, because
1: maybe- he has access to their cabin. Mm-hmm you know and he's like walking distance but
0: he has a hammer too
1: but he also has a gun too probably but like it just makes sense that he would have done it but the uh, the cops never thought of him as a suspect
0: but the motive's like you know what what mo- I mean like you said that the theory is that he did it because he felt slighted yeah but like that's not
1: I mean, that's no reason to yeah, kill a whole family. I but, mean,
0: but for somebody that's like dealing like in the throes of grief mm-hmm. kind of situation, like maybe, I mean, you're not always logical. You know, I was going to say, logically that's not a motive, you know? like, But I'm sure that in a situation like that, you're not necessarily thinking logically either. Mm-hmm. But that's, that was certainly the most fantastical.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I read it, because there was there was a lot more to it mm-hmm. where like he basically, you know, he was at the hospital most of the time, but he came back and he just felt slighted by Richard Robinson because he was hanging out with his sons, doing everything with them around Lake Michigan. Mm. So he thought that the boys basically got him killed.
0: Dang. I mean... I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, but then again, like I've never experienced grief like that, or never no. been in a situation like him. What's his name? Clancy, Clancy. Chauncey, Chauncey, Just Chauncey kidding. Bliss, Chauncey Bliss.
1: It sounds like a a candy bar, Chauncey Bliss. <laughs> you want some Chauncey Bliss?
0: <laughs> uh, it does sound something nougat filled, some something, something, yeah, like a nougat filled. It sounds like a candy bar. You're right, yeah. Right or like,
1: yeah, like a candy bar. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I was going to say Pokemon, but like
0: Chauncey. There's already a Chauncey Pokemon. I can't believe we're talking Chansey,
1: about
0: Pokemon. I'm editing this out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so it's a cold case. So they never found out. Yeah, who did they it, never so found unsolved.
1: out who did it because it ended right when Scalaro killed himself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess because uh, uh, he was
1: the prime suspect,
0: the only suspect.
1: Well, there were other suspects, but he was the one where it made sense that he would have done it. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: that's insane. Cold cases. I I like cold cases. I like cold cases too. Like it's it's
1: because I like reading theories about right.
0: Right. Well, that's why I like about the Black Dahlia. It's mm-hmm. it's cold case, you know, and it's I don't know. As far as true crime goes, I do. Do love me a good cold case, just because it, it you know you get to think about like trying to figure it out yourself. Yeah, I don't know. That was a good one. I've never heard of that one before. Really? Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean
1: I was reading because like I looked up I was like famous true crime unsolved murders, and that solved. one came up because nice I re- I really like the unsolved.
0: Murders. Yeah, that's good. That was really good. That was a good one. That literally have never heard of that one. And I like I I. I read a lot of true crime.
1: Yeah, this was the one where I really, really got into it. Yeah, like I kept looking up stuff.
0: You know what? If if you're ever looking for something to do, uh, murderpedia. dot com, or maybe murderpedia. dot org, it's one of the two. But they have like, everything is, I get a lot of like, there's and a lot of the things are like, uh, like fan written or mm-hmm. like you know people write it. And they're just taking things from Wikipedia and other websites, but it's a good way to find like just big long lists of like they have male serial killers, female serial killers, you know, murders, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's good if you're ever looking for something to do.
1: Yeah, I, I need to look because I, I really do like murder.
0: Mm-hmm. There's, there's also, I mean, there's a show called Unsolved Mysteries too.
1: On which channel?
0: I think it's ID. I don't know. I to, I'll I've send it to you. I've never heard of that. ID? What? It's all true crime
1: i've never heard of id
0: we may not have you guys may not have it uh usually it's like an extra channel i'll I'll figure it out okay and and i'll I'll let you know because you can find some really good stuff on there
1: yep that's the robinson family murders
0: very cool very cool yeah all right definitely weird definitely definitely weird like what an interesting situation very cool but also sad because like unsolved murders it
1: is really sad
0: and children that's always sad but let's go ahead and we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back and i'll tell my story okay all right all right we'll be right back my turn now
1: it's your turn
0: all right is that like that's your thing like i'll say something and then you'll like chime in being like
1: yeah it's it's your turn you know they were talking about that at work they (laughs) (laughs) They
0: called you out
1: no 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 they were um you know my manager i guess i shouldn't say your name but it's okay well it's what i'll figure out anyone could be she was talking about how like i'll say something and then you'll chime in saying like something something like slick or something sly and then she was just like it's basically the whole podcast and i was like i know that's how we want it to be
0: does she not like it no she loves it oh
1: she loves the podcast
0: she's like i think that's so funny okay okay cool <laughs> yeah I was, I was worried for a second i was like should i not be do that i can just listen I like the banter back and forth. I like when we actually have conversations.
1: I know, but she she will be like, "Oh, you'll say something," and then she'll be like, "She'll say you'll like say something." Like I could be like, "Oh, you know, like,"
0: uh, and then you'll be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, that's that sums us up pretty well."
1: Yeah. All
0: right, so it's my turn. Um, I picked for this week one of my favorites female serial killers just because when you see this person you're there's some serial killers when you see them you're just like fuck serial killer that person kills people and (laughs) this woman is not right come on like Jeffrey Dahmer yeah John Wayne Gacy like Aileen Wuornos like those people look scary all right when you see this person that is that is not what you think Right. So I'm going to tell the story of the death house landlady, Dorothea Puente. Right? Who's that? The Dor- she's the death house lawn- landlady.
1: Well, I don't know about that. Right, I'm going to tell you about okay, it. Okay,
0: cool. Good. Isn't that great? Are you glad you came today? All right. So so uh, like relatively speaking, so like you just did like a, a set of murders from like the 70s, mm-hmm. right? Puente's murders are relatively recent. So, like, kind of... She was busted in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, her trial took place in the early 90s. And she... Uh, I mean, she, she, like, it's... So, it's, relatively speaking, it's not, like, it's a little bit more than 20 years ago.
1: Oh, okay. So, like, not right? too, too long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, close to 30. 30 years?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways.
0: um, So, a little bit about, like, just... Let me tell you about Dorothea Puente. So, Dorothea Puente had a very sad childhood. Mm. All right? Both of her parents died before she was 10 years old. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that sucks. Like, that would suck for anybody.
1: Yeah, that is a downer.
0: Yeah. But, so her dad died of tuberculosis when she was 8. And then her mom died when she was 9 in a car crash. So, fatal car crash. Yeah. So, both of her parents died. And so, by the age of 10 they ended up going into like living in an orphanage for a little while mm-hmm. and then ended up going and living with some family in Fresno. So she was born in uh, California, by the way. So mm-hmm. Redwood, California with her parents, um, but ended up living in Fresno for a little while with some family after they passed away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In In 1945, when she was 16, mm-hmm. right, she ended up getting married for the first time. She had two daughters with that husband mm-hmm. between 1946 and 1948 and one of those daughters she sent to live with family okay and then the second daughter she gave up for an ado- for adoption so like you know i mean she had she got married in 1945 and then at the age of like 16 or 17 she had her first kid uh-huh which like what 16 or 17 year old is in the right mind
1: right to, to have, have a kid child. you know yeah. what i mean
0: like not only that but then less than a year later she has another kid at the age of 17 or 18 and yeah it's she,
1: it's yeah it's like definitely she already not.
0: dealt with you know like a traumatic experience early in life with both of her parents dying mm-hmm. right so you gotta want like you gotta think like I mean, there's probably something going on like depression or something i don't know but she gave up both those kids mm-hmm. one way or the other One to family one to the system so her her marriage though to that first husband only lasted until late 1948 so she got divorced in late 1948 she ended up lying to people about it and saying that he died of a heart attack so he didn't leave her but he died of a heart attack Mm. so she starts lying pretty early on and like you can just tell like as you as you research her and you, you know read different things about her it sounds like she's just a pathological liar yeah so lots of lying lots of you know fabricated stories about her to keep up appearances so, I mean, not long after she divorces, she starts forging checks. And that's kind of, like, for a really long time. That was, like, her crime of choice was forging checks and trying to cash them and getting money from that.
1: And how long did she do that? Um. Or how long did she get away with that?
0: Sh- years. Years? Years. Yeah. A lot. Like, she got, yeah, she got away with it for a lot. And she... Continue to do it, like, throughout her entire life. She did stuff like that. Oh, wow. Right. So, she married her next husband. His Mm -hmm. name was Axel Johansson. He was a Swede, so he's a Swedish man. Mm -hmm. Um, He was also a violent alcoholic, so he wasn't fun. But their marriage lasted for 14 years. Oh, wow. But they did eventually divorce. But But two years before they divorced, Puente was actually arrested in a brothel, and... She, Where?
1: Where was the brothel?
0: Somewhere in California. Oh, okay. so she's Cali- still in California. She's still in California. Okay. All this happens in California. Okay. Okay. Um, except for like a really tiny piece of it. So when she got arrested in the brothel, she told police that she was, and I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use air quotes real quick. She was visiting a friend. That's like in a brothel. Whose drugs are these that you're holding? <laughs> They're a <our> friend's.
1: <laughs> They're friends. Just, I'm just uh, asking I'm for him, a friend.
0: Asking? No, it's. I think it's holding for a friend is the reference that you're trying to.
1: No, I was going to make a scenario but whatever
0: so yeah she, she got arrested in the brothel she told police she was visiting a friend i read some articles where it was actually stated that she was running the brothel which wouldn't surprise me
1: wow plot twist
0: but but i couldn't find anything definitive on her like actually running the 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 brothel i'm pretty sure she gets so she gets 90 days of jail time for for being arrested in the brothel uh-huh for i would oh, i would assume uh, probably for prostituting.
1: What what time is what time period is this? Like right now,
0: that where she she is in
1: in the brothel. Like when did they catch her in the brothel or uh, arrest her in the brothel?
0: Like nineteen, like sixties. Oh okay, I okay. think
1: so. Time has passed.
0: Yeah, she's been married to Axel for twelve years at this point, and mm-hmm. divorces him at fourteen years. Okay, so it's two years before that. So give or take. 1960s she gets 90 days Mm -hmm. for being arrested probably for prostitution she so she gets out of jail and then not long afterwards she gets arrested again for vagrancy which is just like like kind of like loitering uh, usually like homelessness things like that she Mm -hmm. probably was trying to get back on her feet and she got arrested again and got another 90 days in jail so after that though, after she got out of jail the second time, mm-hmm. she became a nurse's aide, caring for elderly and infirm patients. So like she she dealt a lot with the elderly. She dealt a lot with people with developmental disabilities, mm-hmm. and um, and she completely turned her life around.
1: Oh, that's nice. No,
0: she didn't. That was a lie.
1: Okay, I she, was like, just oh. kidding. Uh, <laughs> Oh, what there's kind of a good story part of would this the story. Be? Nope, yeah. nope.
0: She did not turn her life around. A good um, part of
1: the story, she brought herself up and became a serial killer.
0: No. <laughs> um, all right. So now we jump to 1982. Okay. All right. So we're in 1982. And in 1982, Puente's 61-year-old friend and business partner, Ruth Monroe, who was living in Puente's upstairs apartment. So like, she had a home and she... Created like an upstairs apartment that she mm-hmm. rented out to people. So this friend and business partner of hers that she rented out this apartment at 1426 F Street overdosed on a mixture of codeine and Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And so like when the police came, right? Because mm-hmm. I think Puente ended up calling the police, like, oh my gosh, I found my friend, she overdosed. And so they come and she was like, Oh, uh, Ruth was super depressed. And, you know, because her her husband was terminally ill. So they believe her. And they ruled. Oh, she lied. Okay. They ruled Ruth's death as suicide. So that's one supposed victim. You know, one of her tenants dies. Oh. Uh, A few weeks later, uh, the police had to come back to 1426 F Street because a 74-year-old pensioner, so somebody that's receiving a pension from the government, so, like, Mm -hmm. checks every month named malcolm mckenzie had accused puente of drugging and stealing from him so he had gone to the police and told them that he had met puente at a local bar called the zebra club had several drinks with her right and then invited her back to his apartment they get there and not soon afterwards they he starts noticing that he gets really dizzy Mm-hmm. And then, after a couple more minutes, he's awake and he's conscious, but he can't move and so he spends the next bit of time watching Puente move around his apartment, going through all of his stuff, trying to find his valuables Ooh. and so sh- and she steals them mm-hmm. right Some of his stuff he or she stole his prized penny collection. Which was apparently a valuable, so it must have been worth, you know, some some money. Some money. And then he even, she even pried off the diamond ring that he was wearing on his finger. Like at the time, like he was like sitting there immobile, like paralyzed, and she oh, pried no. a ring off his finger. <laughs> so, but <laughs> he took the goddamn fucking ring off his finger. So, so he goes to the police about this, right? Because he knows who she is. Right. And Puente is convicted of three counts of theft for robbing Mackenzie. And is sentenced to five years in jail. So, she's already back in jail. So, she's been, this is her third time in jail at this point. So, she is no stranger to. Yeah, she's
1: like, whatever.
0: Criminal acts and what. uh, Yeah. I mean, apparently. um,
1: She's like, whatever, I got friends in here.
0: I guess so. Well, funny you should mention that. Uh, While in jail on this five-year sentence, Mm -hmm. um, Puente becomes pen pals with this guy. 77-year-old retiree named Everson Gilmuth. And they become friends and they write back and forth Mm -hmm. together for the time that she's there. And when she's released in 1985, right? So that's 1985 after serving three years. So she went in in 1982. So she only served three years of her five-year sentence, which always rubs me the wrong way. But I guess it was technically nonviolent, right? Like she didn't murder anybody for that. Like she just just counts a robbery. Gilmeth, her pen pal was there to pick her up in his 1980 Red Ford pickup. This time, she really turned her life around. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. By your face, I can tell no.
0: She didn't. No, Yeah. she didn't. Um, You'd think so, though, right? Like all these weird second chances. She's Um, like,
1: oh, I got out of prison. All right, I'm going to be a good person now.
0: Nope. So they both moved back to her house at 1426 F Street in Sacramento. Mm Mm-hmm. And the couple start making plans to get married. So they're making wedding plans. They open up a joint banking account. Mm. And Gilman starts putting his money there, right? Because he's a, he's a retiree, so he probably has a pension or something like that. So he's getting that or he's getting, like, social security checks. Mm-hmm. 77 years old. Right. So they start making all these plans, but the wedding never happens. Surprised?
1: No. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so a couple of years after getting out of jail Puente hires a handyman uh, who we don't know to put up some wood paneling in her home um, for that work and he paid her an additional 800 bucks so he did the work and then he paid her 800 she gave him a red Ford pickup truck uh, and hello? apparently it had belonged to her ex-boyfriend that lived in LA And he just didn't need it anymore. Like Oh, right. Okay. Okay.
1: I was like, wait a second. Um, (laughs) That's not what you just said a second ago.
0: Yeah. So Yomik isn't in the picture anymore. He's not there and she's giving away his truck. So, okay. So when, when the handyman was done doing like the wood paneling in her house, Puente also asked him to build a six by two... By three wooden box to store things in, you know, mm. like books and you know whatnot, other things that you Her store in, in a coffin because that's a coffin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down <laughs> in my notes. I wrote down books and bodies. <laughs> uh,
1: books and bodies. Oh my gosh, <laughs> books and bodies. I'm just gonna store my books and bodies in here. That's like a a a bookstore that you shouldn't go into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So, all right. So, handyman obliged Puente and made the box, right? Her storage box. And after she filled it up, Puente asked him to help her transport it to her storage depot. So, like, you know, her storage facility. Right. Like, pay as you go, I guess. I don't know. And he agrees, and she goes with him. And on the way, she has him, like, randomly pull over right off the bank of a river. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know what? Just dump it. It's fine. Nothing in there is worth anything. It's all junk.
1: (laughs) She said, you know what?
0: I don't need this. We were going
1: the wrong way. You just dump it.
0: Yeah. So, so he does. And he does. Yeah.
1: He's not like, oh wait, what's in the box?
0: No. (laughs) What's in the box? No. What's in the box? No, he was not like, what's in the box? He was like, okay. So he didn't sound very intelligent hey, like i'm Ms. just making Plente? assumptions what's but, in the box yeah i guess like the it's kind of heavy the place that they stopped was like an unofficial dumping ground kind of thing off like the, the bank of this river mm-hmm. so it was kind of like all right you want to dump this shit like this is where everybody else dumps their shit so that was a thing apparently mm-hmm. you know i guess empty lots and whatnot but uh on january 1st of 1986 a fisherman spots the box three feet off the shore of the river. So it's like three feet away from the water. And he calls the fucking police because, like, that's a coffin, because that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and so when they open the box, guess what they find?
1: Books. <laughs> nope. Just bodies. Books and
0: bodies. Uh, just a body. So they find the badly decomposed body of an elderly man inside mm. the box. But the, so that crime, but that particular crime, the body goes, I don't think they ever ID'd the body. So it's they just didn't. John Doe. No, they never, right. as far as I know, they don't, they don't actually ID that body until much later
1: mm-hmm.
0: or maybe never. But it turns out that Puente was still collecting gilmeth's pension checks. Oh. So oh. she would basically like, right. So she lived in this house and across the street, there was this super dive bar. Like I like dive bars and some dive bars are very welcoming Mm -hmm. because they're small and quaint and, you know, a little dirty. It's just nice. You go have a beer, you know, watch the game. It's nice. Right. But this was like, this is like really divey, like super divey, a little scary. But she'd go over there and they would cash government checks. So they would cash. It was something that bars did back then where like, but it's a good practice, right? Because like anybody can cash the check if it's signed by the person. You know what I mean? Because it's good. It's a government check. Right. So, you know, there's money behind it.
1: Oh, so she was forging the checks?
0: Yes. <laughs> See how that followed she that she did that throughout <laughs> her entire life. But she was also she was writing back and forth to Gilmouth's family explaining saying just basically saying that he was super ill and he couldn't couldn't contact them. So she was doing it for him. And like uh-huh. fabricated this entire lie, but he was dead. <laughs> so I already found his body. So Yep, but I don't think they actually knew it was him. Yeah, they did. Right? So he was probably not the first of Puente's victims, Mm -hmm. but he was one of the first. Mm -hmm. Maybe even more the first at that house. So after that, Puente started operating a boarding house out of her home. And so she would, you know, she had multiple rooms and she would rent them out and she would basically only rent out to the elderly Mm -hmm. and people, again, people that were developmentally disabled, um, people that were physically disabled. Mm -hmm. uh, She also, um, you know, went out to social workers in the area and told them that she was doing this. Mm hmm. And she kept her prices really low, so people so people that were on a fixed income Mm -hmm. or were only on social security could afford to live there. Oh, right. And so she got this really good reputation with um, like humanitarian workers, Mm -hmm. like social workers in the area. Like, oh, um, she also she was known to take in like really hard cases, like tough cases, like people that were you know hard to live with, people with. Know, schizophrenia just that, right that didn't always take their medication and she was you know she wasn't just a like a she was seen as more than just a landlady to a lot of these social workers she was also a kind of like almost like a caretaker too mm-hmm. she would make sure that people were taking their medicine and taking showers and um she would have like family dinners at night so she would make sure that everyone would come down and have dinner um and so that was like an added perk to living there for these people that didn't necessarily get that anywhere else
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right but one of the things that she started doing was she started collecting her tenants mail and would take their money so she would take their checks they got each month she Mm -hmm. would go across the street to the dive bar she would cash everything she would give them a stipend every month so she would give them a portion of the check and then she would keep everything else oh. so she was stealing their money right so remember so she went to jail for the three years right where, where she met gilmeth so like the five-year sentence for burglary uh-huh she yeah. part of a condition of her parole right some of the conditions of her parole Mm -hmm. was that she wasn't supposed to communicate or associate with the elderly
2: oh
0: right or have anything to do with any government checks that weren't hers so so obviously she wasn't following that part of her parole that's literally her whole parole. that's the whole (laughs) whole thing and she was doing it exactly (laughs) so like it's thought that Because obviously like so when you're on parole, right, you have like these these parole officers that come and check up on you, make sure that you're following the conditions of your parole, that you're not doing anything illegal. Uh, So it's thought that she created such a good such a good reputation for herself that, you know, and that she was doing such a great thing that the parole officers kind of looked the other way because there were never any official no notes or anything like that saying that she broke parole. And she broke any conditions of her parole. Oh, really? Yeah,
1: they were they were kind of just like, "Oh, she's doing a good thing." Yeah, Let's, uh...
0: we're just gonna look the other way, kind of thing, because she's doing she's you know she's turned around and she's doing all these great things, you know, for these people that wouldn't have any place to go otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what people think they he, they just turned a blind, blind eye on it. Mm-hmm. So here's when things start getting stop it. If I'm you don't sorry. stop yawning, you have you have, you probably had three things of cold brew today, nitro cold brew. So there's no reason you should be fucking lo- or fucking yawning.
1: I hit a wall. I <laughs> earlier. I guess
0: so. All right. Well, I'm
1: gonna have to go and take a shot later.
0: So so here's where things start getting weird. Sorry about that. Right. Things start. Okay. It's okay. Things start getting weird. So in May of 1988, Puente's neighbors hmm. start complaining of this awful, oh, sickly no. sweet smell coming from Puente's boarding house. So the police come and they say, hey, you know, we can smell this stuff. And Puente was like, no, no, no. It's from fish emulsions. So like fertilizer Mm -hmm. that she puts on her yard, like on her lawn. And she was super protective of her yard. Like if anything was or if anyone like came onto her yard and was walking across it, she'd come outside and start you know, cussing them out, like swearing like a sailor. So this little old grandma lady comes out and starts, you know, like verbally whooping your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she was supposedly, you know, like she did a lot of gardening. So she's like, no, the smell, that's what you're smelling. That's what they're smelling. It's just, it's fish guts.
1: Fish guts.
0: Yep. So she gets away with it for a little while longer. That's what, like that's a lot of fertilizer is like fish based. Oh, okay. So there was a man that started staying at the house, Mm -hmm. right? And his name um, was Chief. And, you know, people around the neighborhood knew him. He was a homeless guy for a long time. He had schizophrenia. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: He was also an alcoholic, so he struggled a little bit. But, you know, Puente ended up taking Chief in. And he started living at the boarding house. And he became her handyman. She was like, listen, you can live here, be the handyman, fix things. Like, we'll make it work. And so her neighbors started witnessing him digging in the basement. So, like, they noticed that he was carting out all this dirt in a wheelbarrow. From her basement. Mm. I guess like. Sh- she originally had. Concrete down there. Mm-hmm. But he like removed all the concrete. He removed the concrete and then started digging out dirt. Oh. Which is weird. Right. But soon after he stopped. Chief disappeared. And nobody saw him. Oh no. Right. So after that. Um, a second tenant. Right. Mm-hmm. A develop- me A developmentally disabled man with schizophrenia disappeared not not long after chief did this man's name was alberto Mentoya, and when so like his social worker he had a social worker so somebody was keeping track of him mm-hmm. right but his social worker ended up reporting him missing because he hadn't checked in with him or hadn't heard from him and so the police came to check on him because the you know 1426 f street was his last known place of residence oh jeez. So the police get there and, you know, ask Puente some questions. And it's like all of a sudden it kind of clicked where they were like, this is kind of strange. People go missing here. (laughs) They're like, oh, wait. They kind of start connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. And so the police started looking around and noticed that in Puente's backyard, there was like an area of ground that looked like it had been um. Uh, recently disturbed, so like somebody had been digging there. There was like the the dirt wasn't the same, right? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So they they get shovels, mm-hmm. right, and they start digging on the spot. And soon after digging for a little while, they start uncovering these sheds of like cloth,
1: oh.
0: right, and. Mm-hmm. This stuff that kind of looks like beef jerky
1: oh no so
0: they <laughs> uncover this stuff and they're like oh we gotta you know that's weird we should keep digging so they keep digging and eventually one of the investigators that's like in this whole digging hits what he thought was a tree root right because it was like hard his shovel hit it and so he keeps working at it to try and get it out of the way. And eventually he reaches down because he thinks that he like broke through it to like remove it so they can keep digging. Uh And he pulls out a human leg bone that was like detached at the socket. So I can only imagine that it was like a femur. So he pulled this femur out of the ground. And Uh they were just like, all right.
1: (laughs) They were like, there's
0: a body. (laughs) But I mean, you got to think like, if, if a body so like they're pulling this this you know like brown meat out of the ground like i feel like if you bury a body like directly into the soil that's kind of what happens right, right like it yeah. turns into this like dark brown it starts decomposing so it like becomes the color of dirt so like you would I, I could almost i could see where like if you've ever digged a hole and you come into like a tree root it's like hard yeah and it's like it, i could totally see where it could be mistaken you know like for a bone a femur. right well a, a femur could be mistaken for a tree root so, all the while, right, like initially, so they find this body and they're like, holy shit, there's a body. Um, Puente isn't immediately seen as a suspect. And at one point.
1: She, Wait, she's not?
0: No, she's not. They're not immediately like, oh shit, she did it. They keep they, they want to keep finding things, right? They keep looking. Um, so, they end up like attempting, they, they start digging up the entire
1: yard? yard. Oh, God.
0: And, but like at one point, right, Puente comes out like initially when they first find the body and they're like hey we seem to have found a human body in your backyard and she like think home alone like slaps her hands onto her face and goes oh my god like 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 she's like what yeah so she acts right She, she tried to act all surprised and the police are like immediately like this is weird who does that (laughs) kind of thing you know so the police proceed to dig up the entire like they just go okay we're gonna do the entire thing at this point the body that they first initially found ended up being the body of a woman who was named leona carpenter that was 78 years old and she was like probably one of puente's first victims after she killed gilmeth so like one of her first tenants that she killed Mm -hmm. and so like since puente wasn't immediately seen right as a suspect Mm-hmm. At one point, there, because like they, the police eventually have the coroner's office come in, right? They treat the entire backyard as a crime scene, mm-hmm. and they start. They bring in like heavy machinery mm-hmm. to dig up the backyard. Oh, no. And I'll put up pictures of it because it's really interesting. I saw some some news reels mm-hmm. of it. You know, it almost looks like like an excavation site for like an archaeological <laughs> dig site. <laughs> But it's like, you know how they, like, quadrant everything off and they go, like, little by little? Right. Like, section by section? They did the same thing in the Mm -hmm. backyard. They bring in a forensic anthropologist. So, that's, like, somebody that studies, like, human bones. Right? Mm -hmm. So, they just, they dig up the entire backyard. entire backyard is a crime scene. And so, again, so, you know, Puente wasn't immediately seen as a suspect. So, at one point, while the police teams are digging, right, she's like, hey, guys, I'm going to go get a coffee. <laughs> I'm going to and, step out for a second, and she let me know if you find yeah, anything. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to go up the street to get a cup of coffee, and she just straight up got the hell out of there. <laughs> she and, said, "Yeah,
1: she said, oh, um, since you're finding so much, I'm going to be back. Real yeah, quick. I'll be, I have to get uh, some groceries.
0: Brb. <laughs> um, yeah. So she she leaves, and she ends up going to Los Angeles. So she goes down south because Sacramento's north Cal or North California. Mm-hmm. So when she ends up getting to Los Angeles, she ends up going to a bar and starts making friends with a 70-year-old pensioner oh and like she couldn't even my thing is like you couldn't even wait you couldn't even grow you couldn't even wait two minutes to start your old shit again
1: she said oh look at that dive bar let me take a look
0: yeah let me oh there's an old man in there i bet he gets a pension check (laughs) so he starts talking to that she starts talking to this guy and she even like introduces herself as as donna johansson so she doesn't use a real name like she she knows what's up but she's like she can't help herself and donna
1: johansson
0: donna and well remember so like i, I completely forgot to mention she so like sh- she was originally born with the last name gray and she didn't end up taking any of her husband's names until mm-hmm. she married a man very briefly with the last name puente in mexico city Uh-huh. and she ended up taking his name when she was there and that's how she got that last name so like, i completely like, glossed over that but, I want to like. But remember, she got married to Axel Johansson.
2: Oh,
1: right? like, okay, yeah. So
0: that, I'm sure that's where she got the name from. What were you saying?
1: Well, I was like, I want to know. I just want to understand, like, what goes on when they're like, oh, I'm not going to take this name, this name, but that name sounds good.
0: I'm sure, yeah, who knows what her reasoning behind it was. That'd be interesting to find out, though. Yeah. But yeah, so she introduced herself. As a completely different name, Donna Johansson, and luckily enough for this guy, though he'd been watching the fucking news, and she was all <laughs> over the fucking news, and she was like, "That's the, that's the lady, like that's the the per- like they're looking for her at this point because she just straight up disappeared," and so he recognized her as Dorothea Puente, and he called the cops on her ass, and she got they came and she got escorted back to Sacramento. So eventually. After they the crime invest like the coroner's office had dug up the entire backyard, they found seven bodies total.
1: Did they not need a warrant for this?
0: Hell no, not. I mean, like I think they gave her, or I think she gave them permission to search. Maybe they did have a warrant. I don't know. I didn't read that, but like, if you have
1: permission, can you like take up their whole yard?
0: Um, I think they probably had permission from her because like she was okay with it. I guess I like from what i understand initially she said they could do it like sure go ahead and you know like they'll dig a little bit not find anything and that's fine but they kept digging and they started finding you know beef jerky and femurs um but once they found that first body like that's reasonable cause yeah don't need a warrant you know what i mean yeah um there may be different laws too for like property you know like digging on somebody's property versus entering their home Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times when you enter somebody's home you have to have a warrant it's like that's constitutional right um no one warranted like search or seizure right um but that's a good question but i i think they because they came to the door remember like asking about um so and so yeah the 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 one tenant that disappeared last name montoya right alberto montoya so eventually seven bodies found Mm mm-hmm and she was charged with a total of nine murders because they, they ended up tracing her back to the apparent suicide of Ruth Monroe. Mm. And they pegged her for the murder of Chief, too.
1: Oh, he died, too? Oh, that's right. That was the
0: one that disappeared yep. after digging up the basement. Right. So, so oh, at the was, end of the day. Was
1: he like, oh, this is kind of weird. Why am I doing this? And she was like, you got to go.
0: Maybe. I don't know. He may have been. Who knows? But, like, I gotta sh- I'll gotta. i show you her. Like, she is... Here, hold on. Let me look it up right now. She is the cutest little old lady. Like, looks like... Like, look at her. Look at her. That's her. Oh, my gosh. She looks like cute little old lady. Like your grandma.
1: She's like, nothing's wrong here. She's like, I won't hurt you.
0: Yeah, but... Ugh. She gives me the fucking creeps. So at the end of the day, right, so Dorothea Puente went to trial in 1993. So that's when, like, the trial actually began. And was convicted of three murders and sentenced to two life sentences uh, without the possibility of parole. So she was gonna be in jail forever. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, She ended up going to Chowchilla, which is in, like, Chowchilla is, this, like, it's a um, a prison that they have in California, mm-hmm. into the women's prison. Um, so until her death, right, Dorothea Puente maintained that all of the bodies, all of the people that were found in her backyard had mm-hmm. died of natural causes and she had just buried them there because she was like, I just didn't know what to do with them. So she buried them. Like,
1: Does she think she was doing a good thing? I don't know. Does Probably. She, she was like, oh,
0: I just didn't want to like,
1: get in anyone's way like I didn't want anyone else to do anything
0: I don't know she was she didn't give two shits what people thought about her either at at that point like at this point in her life like when she's in prison but she maintained that all those people died of natural causes and she just buried them there like that was it I didn't kill them but I just buried them and she remained in prison until March 27th 2011 when she passed away at the age of 82
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and that is the story of the death house landlady dorothea puente
1: that's crazy right you want
0: to hear a fun fact yeah i was listening to a podcast about it so like sometimes when i'm like researching things i'll listen to a couple different podcasts that do the same thing just to like make sure that i'm getting all the facts right Mm -hmm. and one podcast mentioned i didn't read this anywhere in any of the articles that i read about this these these murders but when the police were digging up puente's backyard Mm -hmm. somebody was like you guys this is a couple blocks away from another famous serial killer that had been caught the year before or where they had dug up his yard too and found a bunch of bodies his name was morris solomon right and he was he was like they found out about him in 1987 so they found out everything about dorothea puente in 1988 but they were like it was like a couple blocks away like so a couple houses away two serial killers that's
1: crazy right
0: yeah super crazy california has a lot of fucking serial killers though but like two serial killers like within a year like just a couple blocks away that's pretty crazy So i thought it was a really interesting thing like i heard on one podcast
1: yeah that so. is insane
0: yeah man but that's I i just like <sighs> I like, like, Dorothea Puente's story. I mean, it's obviously a super sad story because, like, nobody likes hearing that that the elderly or, you know, the, um, you know, the disabled are being taken advantage of. Like, that's really shitty. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's, first and foremost, like, female serial killers are super interesting because they're so rare. Yeah. Like, super interesting but also she's just so unsuspecting like i'll post a picture of her on on our instagram post but like she is just the cutest old lady ever and she just has no soul like devil incarnate kind of thing like super evil but that's what i just i like the story so much and i just like i like her or the story of her
1: yeah that but, would definitely scare me
0: yeah yeah but that's uh that's Dorothy Puente that is, and that is episode four. That was a good one. Those are both really good ones. Like, had you ever heard of Dorothea Puente?
1: No. Now that I've seen pictures
0: of her. You re- you recognize it, her, right? Yeah, she I shows recognize up on her. I just like didn't
1: that. know the name.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I I'd never, I'd never heard of the Robinson. That was good. So that was like something new for both of us. Yeah. Which is super exciting.
1: I haven't done a true crime.
0: <laughs> well... Manson family is kind of true crime because Helter Skelter is like that's murder. Yeah, but I count it's it based as cult. On, yeah, 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 definitely.
1: So I haven't done true crime, but I do like the true crime.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was good. I, I I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's, I think everyone's gonna enjoy it too. Yeah. Um. All right, man. Nice job. So just a couple things. Um, if you guys enjoy the episode, um, and enjoy our podcast, please, please rate us and review us on iTunes. We would super appreciate it. And please subscribe. Um, We plan on doing this for a super long time. Jacob's going to be going back to school soon, but we plan on doing this remotely and doing it, you know, uh, keeping the same schedule. Mm -hmm. So um, please subscribe. We'll keep things coming. If you guys keep listening, Um, if you guys have any feedback or uh, recommendations of serial killers, feel free to email us at wtfhappenedpc at gmail.com and you can tell us you know any recommendations for serial killers we're always looking for people to do to research i love hearing about new things new um you know crimes cryptids uh paranormal things that you guys know of and if you guys have any personal experiences um feel free to share them with us if you feel up to it and give us an email again at WTF happened PC at gmail.com. We would love to be able to read about them or read them out loud to everybody else uh, on our minisodes. Something mm-hmm. different we're looking to try if people uh, decide to write into us. So that's all for today, guys. Um, it was fun. We look forward to our minisode launching next week. And we will see you guys then. Have a wonderful night.